Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. how we're starting this episode <laughs> i wanted to set the tone that is the exact mood all indiana hoosiers should be in and that said that's what you can expect today so if you're looking for sunshine and cupcakes go somewhere else roll the sponsor song the sponsor song huh that's what i went with yeah yeah i mean you know we love alliteration here almost as much as we love community cars the team at Community Cars, you know, we're all about teamwork here. Teamwork makes the dream work for the Indiana Hoosiers and at Community Cars. Evan Martin, the family, they've got a well-oiled machine there, and they'll sell you a well-oiled machine at a great price. And they'll sell it to you any way you want. You want to do it in person? You want to do it on the phone? You want to do it on the internet? You're antisocial? Don't want to talk to anybody? They'll figure it out. They'll send you paperwork. They'll deliver the car to you. They will meet you in a dark back alley and sell you a car. And if Indiana beats Penn State this coming week in football, first hundred people, free cars. Free cars, any kind. 
anytime, and including Evan's one, personal car. Yeah, the next 100, buy one, get one free. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Undertaker's theme, appropriate for the Halloween season, but it's that's a coincidence. That's a coincidence. That is just the 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 general malaise, foreboding, ominous, doom-like vibe that's going all around Hoosier Nation right now. How quickly things change. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, listen. A lot of bad shit's been going on over the last several days. A lot of bad shit across multiple sports. And we just felt like we needed an episode to wallow in it for a little bit. We needed a week to just wallow in it. And as we decided that that would be this episode, it's a vent session and it's a discussion session about the bad. Who would be the best possible guest for that? Um. Well, I I think we saw him briefly. Uh. Maybe. Yeah. I think he's still listening. Um. But but maybe the angriest guest we've ever had on the show. Wait. Top two. Top two. Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody beats Kent Benson. <laughs> nobody beats Kent. Um, but this guy's real, real fun and charismatic and funny with his uh, anger. So I think he's the perfect guest uh, for everybody being in this state of mind. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome one of the best to ever don the cream and crimson. He is a former Big Ten Player of the Year. He is a former NBA player. He helped lead Indiana to Big Ten championships. He helped Indiana in deep runs in the NCAA tournament. All-American. This guy's an all-American. He is an all-American. He is a sweet shooting lefty from Terre Haute, Indiana. He is a regular here and back by both popular and unpopular demand. (laughs) Please welcome number 34, Dutch Evans. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of a dis- – I mean, I don't like it, but that's still a little disturbing, that intro. I, I didn't realize I was so angry, and I didn't realize <laughs> I, how angry I've made others. I, that's kind of a bummer. Well, look, man, people that are – angry is one word, but people that are of a certain disposition don't recognize that they're in that disposition. I mean, you know, it's just your natural state of affairs. We love it and love your perspective on things, and again – we just thought you were the perfect guest for today's episode. All right, let's move forward. I just, you know, I, I'm not satisfied with that response, but that's okay. <laughs> okay I'm angry. Right. Let's just let's get going. I'm 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 gonna put it this way. There is great comedy to be mined from things not going great. And you are a master of that. And that's why you're here. Cause even though we're angry, we're depressed, we're worried, we want to have a good time with it. That's why you're here, Dutch. Perfect. I, I'm I'm on board with that. Let's go. And speaking go. of good times, let's start with IU football. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> look, I mean, Dutch, w- w- look, w- I don't even know what to say, really, except we all know what happened against Rutgers. We sucked again. Um, they ran for 276 yards against this vaunted Indiana defense. Um, another week where we did not reveal who the starting quarterback would be. And, and guess what? It didn't work again. <laughs> Dutch, what is your take on IU football and where we are right now? 
Well, keep in mind, I had um, I had left the program last fall to become a Michigan fan. Right. And um, it was the greatest football season of my life. I was a winner. Um, I, I was like 10 or 11 and 0, just flying high, beating everybody. And um, as you know, we've talked about on the show, my daughter is now not going to Michigan. Yes. Uh, so now I'm back to hating Michigan and now I'm back to being an IU football fan. So it's just been a tough year for me. And Wait, um, doesn't Butler yeah. have a football team? I don't even know. Do you guys know? I have to check. I, I don't know. Internet. I don't think they do. No. <laughs> but what's ironic is they don't have a football team and they are better than Indiana football. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm back and I, I can't say I'm very happy about it. And, um, yeah, it's brutal. Uh, wait, it's I'm sorry, guys. Apologies. Apologies. Uh, Butler does have a football team. Oh, wow. What's their record? Um, I'm looking it up right now. Um, let's see. They lost to Drake. Oh, they smashed Moorhead State. They beat Valpo. Um, they beat Taylor. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're better than IU. Yeah. Okay. So, Dutch, let's start with this. Can... IU football be a competitive, let's just say decent college football program in today's landscape. Is it possible? Well, I think so. I think so. I, I, I they just showed us just enough, even though it was the COVID season. I, I think we saw enough to believe that there's no reason we can't be competitive and a solid Big Ten program. That doesn't mean upper third of the conference, but yes, we should be able to be a solid program. So why aren't we? <laughs> what, what, in your opinion, what has happened since that COVID year? And by the way, it wasn't just the COVID year. The year before that, I think we won seven games, right? The year before and went to a January bowl. Back-to-back back to back back January bowl, bowl games. Yeah. This is in recent memory. Well, I don't, I'm not a, like I said, I was gone for a year. And I loved the year <laughs> that I was on sabbatical. And I, and I did not pay really close attention to what you guys were doing down there in Bloomington. Um, I know it wasn't very good. We sure weren't undefeated like my Wolverines. Um, <laughs> but now that I'm back, so I, I, I can't say that I've paid really close attention. I, I do think this, and I don't know if this is right or wrong. I'm not a huge football fan, but I just noticed that we were turning out running backs, NFL running backs a few years ago. And I, I just kind of decided it was because of Mike Hart and mm. our running back coach who is now with Michigan. And Michigan's running game went from being pretty bad a handful of years ago to being really, really good again. And so I want to deduce that Mike Hart was somebody that that got away from us. Granted, that's his alma mater. It's probably impossible to keep him. Um, well, man, I can't, I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't think of a um, a facet of our game that is on par with middle tier. Big Ten teams. I, I can't think of one aspect of our our offense, defense, special teams that would be middle of the pack football in the Big Ten. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that pretty much says it all. I do want to touch, though, on something that I know you do find interesting because you and I talked about this. You and I had a conversation off um, the podcast about uh, the institutional investment in football. And you were surprised to hear that as as recently as 2022, Indiana's athletic department was ranked the most profitable athletic department in the country, making just shy of, I believe, $35 million in profit. Um, now, Grant, now the reason for that is clearly because we don't spend it on football. Like football is really expensive and we don't spend anywhere near the amount on football that the competitive top tier teams do. And I'm not just talking about Michigan and Ohio state. I'm talking about those other teams. that are just in the rung below them. We don't do that. What was your reaction to just finding out that financial piece of information? Well, if it's accurate, I, I was surprised. Um, if that's accurate, that means that we're going to have about 15 million left after we do what we've got to do. <laughs> okay. Fair. It's funny when you say it like that though, Brian, because everybody's so worried about the buyout. Right. And when you put it in those terms, you're like, wow, it's really just one year's, you know, profit, like not even the full profit. It does make it seem a lot more palatable. Um, you're in Indiana, you're in the heart of Indiana in Indianapolis. You talk to people that are big IU fans. Do you feel like the appetite there is, or the mood there is just, they're going to have to make the move because it's never, it's, a, it's as bad as it's ever been. And doesn't matter how much it costs, they got to do it. Well, I, I, you know what, worse than that, worse than that, I could tell you that nobody talks about it. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Right? Nobody talks about it. It's not like the Colts are, you know, kind of limping along. It could have, would have, should have won the last couple games kind of thing. It's not like that, right? There's no enthusiasm around it. And that's that's the worst thing we've got going is that nobody – it doesn't seem like a lot of people care. And that's, that's, that's no good. Yeah, I mean, that's very evident from anything from butts and seats – when uh, a good team or any team comes to town or or even just like on the message boards that this apathy that's taken over is um i mean there's no getting away from it until you start winning or at, at, at the very least start being competitive and giving people uh, uh, a chance what now i think you alluded to let's let's blow it up and begin again as far as regime change but let's at least agree that's not going to happen in season. What, what what can they even do this season to to try to prove to everybody that they can get this going back in the right direction? Do you think it's maybe like settling on one quarterback and sticking with it? Or I mean, is is there anything? I guys, I'm no expert, but I can't think of anything. So, I, I mean, I could try to decorate a longer-winded answer, but I don't know why I would. I, I don't know. I have no idea what they could do. I want to read a quote that someone sent me from uh, old AD Clarence Doninger that I thought was an interesting quote. It was, quote, my primary job with every program was to create the perception that no matter how bad things appeared, that they would get better next game, next season. 
So, and then he went on to say, hope for the future is what my main task is all about, particularly football and basketball, which I think is a really interesting quote. Because when Scott Dolson pulled the trigger on Archie Miller, uh, Scott's reasoning for that was that there was just no hope in the program. It felt like it wasn't necessarily about that year. It felt like recruiting and the enthusiasm around the program that there, even internally in, in conversations he would have internally, it just didn't feel like there was any hope that any of it was going to get any better. And I would say that with Tom Allen coming off of that uh, COVID year, clearly there was a ton of hope coming off of that year. And then it all got dashed. But I would argue that there was still some hope after that because we had seen what he was capable of doing. And that almost all got wiped away with last year, which was terrible. And now we're in the third year where he redid the whole team. I mean, we had a, we, we weren't Dion like in the number of new players, but we did bring in like 30 new players, tons of transfers. It was a total redo, new quarterback, new running backs, new linemen, especially the linemen, which we've heard is such a, a problem for Indiana. And it's the worst. It's shaping up to be the worst season that we've seen in quite some time. If hope is gone, then if you can't sell hope, it does seem like you have to pull the trigger, right? It does to me. Uh, it does to me. I, it, when I watch, I don't feel like I'm seeing a lot of hope. Um, that's an interesting quote by Clarence. Wonder when he said that. Yeah, I don't have that information. I'm not that. I'm not that up to. I haven't done enough research to know the date. I was testing you. Yeah, I was testing you. I didn't think you had it, but I figured I'd try <laughs> yeah. to just expose you a little bit. <laughs> Dutch, um, this is something we've talked about on the pod previously, Eric and I, other guests. Um, I wonder if it's a concern. You've started thinking about or you think the general basketball fan base is starting to get savvy to that if this football program doesn't get its shit together and start being at least middle of the pack and bringing in some kind of legitimate revenue that five, 10 years down the road, it's going to end up hurting the basketball program when IU gets pushed out of being in a conference that matters. Man, I, I've never thought, I don't know enough about conference realignment. Like you guys, I haven't done the research. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that because well, well, that, yeah, that would be awful if we're so bad at – you're saying if we're so bad at football that the basketball team gets kicked out of the Big Ten. Is that what you're saying? Yes, because as as Eric and I were having a conversation right before we started recruiting – or recording, um, recruiting is – To is, be fair, is, we is, do not recruit. We, we don't. Let's be clear about the bullshit. Yeah, no. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants that. Evan's um, called bullshit on it. <laughs> Um, but when when we are being subsidized by Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State football, year after year after year, we're making tens of millions of dollars because of their football programs. We're basically a parasite for these huge TV deals that are, while our basketball program brings in good for a basketball program, it's nothing compared to the top football programs. So, so at a certain point, 
these big football programs are going to be like, guys, get out of here with your bullshit. You're just you're bringing down the profit margin for the rest of us because you're not doing your share. Well, they got to beat somebody, right? I mean, they want to look at their schedule and go, <laughs> oh, sweet. We play IU this week. I mean, there is purpose for the uh, bottom dwellers. I mean, there is. I like you know, that. We're, we're a buy game. I mean, I do think like, right. you know, most <laughs> we're, we are. That's what IU football has become. The only difference is that a typical buy game is, you know, Notre Dame goes and schedules Drake and pays them a right. million bucks. The only difference is we're getting our money from the Big Ten Network. Like that's that that's where we're making that that thirty five million dollars in profit is a collection of buy games from Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin and Penn State. That's where we're getting it. So you're right. There is value. They have to tune up some, and <laughs> and so we're the tune up game. It's sad and depressing. And before we move on to basketball, I want to hit another to fit alongside our, our theme of this week. Uh, we do hit on the Colts uh, regularly now because Ward is a massive Colts fan. You, I believe are a Colts fan. You're in Indianapolis, uh, a heartbreaking loss. I think you could say this weekend to the Cleveland Browns. Bullshit loss. Bullshit. I, loss. Well, first let me clarify. I'm not a, I'm not a huge NFL guy. Uh, I grew up a big bears fan. Okay. And actually, that's why I wore number 34 was because my man, Walter. Oh, nice. sweetness. Believe it or not. And um, you guys anyhow. are so similar athletes from an athletic standpoint. You guys are really similar. No argument there. <laughs> or almost the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, here. So here's my deal. I got I to gotta say this before I comment on the cold. So I hate myself for this. I did become after Walter and the 85 bears were long gone and I moved to Orlando. Um, bears got really bad. Colts got a guy named Manning. Everybody got here really excited about him. I moved back to Indiana and I kind of became a Colts fan and I hate doing that. I hate, you can't jump teams. I don't respect people when they do that. And I did it. I admit it, but I was ashamed about it. And that's why when the Colts went and won their Super Bowl, they beat my bears and I've felt like shit ever since. And so I, I almost <laughs> I almost quit watching football because I don't I'm just so disgusted by my own behavior. <laughs> it didn't help that Rex Grossman was their quarterback. <laughs> I know the Grossman family. I'm gonna stand down with that one. Um, but no, that was I, I did watch yesterday and that was just a golly, you're so bummed out. I feel like the I don't know the rules anymore in the NFL. I felt like I saw, you know, just ridiculous penalties at the just horrible officiating is what I saw and just kind of deflated for them because, man, they're, you know, they're supposed to be so terrible. They're on the cusp of having a really good record. I mean, they had just two of these, you know, last minute, last second losses that just suck. Ward, you want to weigh in on the Colts here? Yeah, like I went from the highest of highs with Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor being locked up together for the next, you know, three and a half seasons to the lowest of lows with, with Tony Rich, as I like to call him, out. And then watching Gardner last week, you're like, yeah, you know, they can really plan for him now and it's so limited. I just think the joy of this this season of hope, to bring it back to hope. This season was really about new coach, new quarterback. Here we go. There's a lot to be hopeful for. 
And then doggone it, that game yesterday was one of the most fun NFL games I can remember seeing in a long time. And I, like the Colts are the only team in the NFL this season to score over 20 points in every game. Like <laughs> I, th I think Shane is the real deal. And we're starting to see some of these young guys really come along. And as, as, and I don't ever really like to go after the refs after a game because the, the, so many, so many calls along the way could have been the difference, but it was so blatant and aggravating at the end. Once I stopped seething, I was like, damn it, damn it. I, I'm falling in love all over again because of the, the totality of this team. So I'm in, I'm in. Uh, I wish Tony Rich was going to be there uh, to really watch him blossom this season, but I think they're going to be fun to watch anyway. Um, you know, but now it's a little bit more of a debate if if I want to get a good draft pick or if I want to win these games. You know where I stand. You know where I stand. They should be losing every game to get the best draft pick they can because this is not the year for the Colts. You want Tony Rich back next year, and you want him to have as many weapons as possible and get the best pick that you can. All right. That's our football portion. Now let's get into the red meat. So – before you came on, Dutch, we talked about how quickly the mood of the Indiana basketball fan has changed. Where a week ago, we were all celebrating the fact that Liam McNeely, and we are still celebrating that, by the way. I want to keep pointing that out. He is still coming to Indiana unless news broke over the last hour that something has changed, which I wouldn't doubt based on where everything has been going. But Liam McNeely is coming to Indiana. We were at the highest of the high. We thought, oh, my God, this is going to be the best recruiting class since the Cheney year. This is this is it. We're going to get this guy from New York. We're going to get Derek Queen. This is going to set us up for big Final Four runs starting next year. And then Boogie Flan chose not to come to Indiana and as a special extra kick in the balls goes to John Calipari and Kentucky. So where Dutch, where do you come out? There's been a lot of talk online on Indiana fans getting too excited about recruits and making too big of a deal about it and, and all that. Where do you come out on excitement about recruits and are we overreacting to us not getting this point guard who seemed like an elite point guard that we will need with the departure of Xavier Johnson after this year? Well, it's a lot. You've said a lot there. I, I think <laughs> you asked me a couple questions. I Here's the thing. I, I've never gotten too into the recruiting game. I, we've talked about that. I don't – it's just not how I'm going to spend my time paying attention to rankings i don't know who these people are that rank these players so i don't know that they know shit so i don't get too fired up i mean i understand a five star you know versus a three star you know the guy's going to have more a better skill set right i know they're not screwing up but, I, but just the way you can rank nationally i i don't buy i don't really buy it and and i'm not all that upset about this one guy i don't want to root for a guy named boogie anyway so i, I didn't <laughs> i mean if he would have come, I would have been happy, I guess. But I, you know what, if, if his name is Boogie and he wants to go to Kentucky, then let him go. All right. I like that. I like that. Are you, um, it does seem like though we're in an era where you look at a, around at the colleges that have done the best consistently whether it's Gonzaga or Michigan State or Duke or Kentucky or Villanova or UConn they are the teams recruiting at an elite level 
And while Indiana has gotten its fair share of the five stars, you know, we got Jalen Hood, Shafino. We got this kid, Mackenzie Mbako, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, we've gotten some five stars, but it doesn't seem like we're stockpiling enough talent. And it seems like we're just not, Get, we're replacing talent that's leaving one and dones, but we're not getting enough talent to take the next step as far as a team. Are you at all worried about that? Well, let's, I mean, let's go back to the last time we talked. I don't know when that was April or May, maybe. Mm -hmm. And we were, we had a pretty empty cupboard. And so it does seem like since I've talked to you guys, we've put some pieces and parts together and I don't know. I, I, I want to see some exhibition games. You know, I want to see these games. I want to see what we look like. I, this is when I do get excited this time of year to, because I don't pay a ton of attention to the recruiting, although I have to admit I've heard some, you know, I've heard these names. I don't study the roster like you guys do or anything like that, but I, this is when I'm excited to see these exhibition games and just, I get to look at them for the first time because I'm not YouTubing to, to see any of these guys. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't have a ton of, I just don't have a ton to share because I don't spend as much time as you guys looking at all this stuff. I, I, I worry that we don't have any depth, but I, I was certain we had none at the end of the year. I was, I was like, we're going to be really bad. And right. now I don't think we are going to necessarily be really bad. I really don't know where we're going <laughs> to shake out. So it'll be interesting. It's going to be a fun beginning of the season. It certainly seems like on paper, we're very near the top of the Big Ten in, in pure talent, but I guess it really comes down to how can Coach Woodson and his staff, including Caliber Chaney, round this team into form come January, February. Um, in what you've seen from Coach Woodson so far, do you feel like he's a coach that is is makes the team better as the season goes along? I think this is the year to, to, to see that, you know, we talked about just what, what our roster was like with, with trace on it. And, you know, let's just say we had to play a certain kind of way with him. You know, we put the ball in his hands a lot. It wasn't a lot of fun to watch. I don't think the brand of basketball, um, but you know, maybe it was driven by the, by the personnel more than, than we want it to have been. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I want to give a clean slate to the, to the staff and to Woodson and just let's see what they've got now. Cause we've talked a lot about, we've got parts and we got pieces. I haven't seen them, but I'm, I'm excited to see them. For just a little, I, wanna... uh, I was going to say just maybe a little ray of sunshine. Did, have you gotten to see, Oh, say for example, Trace Jackson Davis as part of the starting lineup of the golden state warriors, like as, as a former IU guy who played in the NBA, um, are you are you excited to see Jalen and Trace get their shot this year? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'll be fans of those guys. I mean, for sure. I, I'm I'm excited for them, and I you know, it's all about it's all about getting in the right spot, you know. And there's there's great player. I mean, look at Jay Edwards. I mean, Jay Edwards is a guy that I he was one of my childhood heroes growing up. And if if what if he would have landed with you know Pat Riley? I think, I think he could have had a hall of fame career and he went to the Clippers, like the worst place that he could have possibly gone is where he got drafted. Mm. The only reason I bring him up is I think that trace in particular got drafted by the perfect spot. Like that's gotta be the best team for him to be on. You know, what do they, they need him to you know, rim run. 
tip dunk, um, you know, and, and do the things that he can do. We already know he can do those things. So I'm, I'm excited for him because he's a good kid that, you know, whether we he got some grief from us, you know, over the course of the last couple of seasons or not, he's a Hoosier rooting for him like crazy. And I think he's in a great spot. It's Shafina. I, I, I don't know enough about the Lakers. I mean, I would think it's gotta be a great place, right? Yeah. Play with LeBron and the tail end of his career, learn from somebody like that. Um, you know, just from my perspective, it, it looks like he landed in a great, in a great spot for sure. Trace did. The last time I checked, which was 10 seconds ago, 4,374 players have played in the NBA in the history of the NBA. 4,374. When you divide that even by like a rough number of how many people have been alive since then, it is like so many zeros after the decimal point before you get to the number. It is such an infinitesimal it's inexplicably infinitesimal how small this fraternity of players is. And Brian Dutch, excuse me, you are one of them. Do you feel, um, like you said, you're going to be you're going to be a fan of Trace and Jalen because obviously they're Indiana guys, but they're in this fraternity that you were in. Do you feel? Is there any feeling of that from you being a former NBA guy, a guy that was able to break into that just? ultra rare fraternity um i don't know about that i i I did get a couple uh t-shirts orlando magic t-shirts sent to me and my son the other day by the team which i thought was really cool that's nice Um, that's as close as i felt to being in the nba or in any kind of fraternity i mean they don't invite me to the all-star weekend i watch the all-star game occasionally and i see these guys that, you know, guys I've played with behind the bench, you know, going crazy during the dunk contest. Not that I want to be there, but I, my, they must have lost my address. I've never been invited. <laughs> All right. Lost. Well, I, I do want to ask you a question about recruiting that you don't need to follow recruiting to answer. But there has been over the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years, I think basically with the advent of social media, the game of, announcing your commitment has changed drastically and big pomp and circumstance for a lot of guys. Some of these decisions are carried on national broadcasts like Liam McNeely's was at halftime of a broadcasted high school game on ESPN, the main network and people do it different ways, but there is a difference. It used to be pretty quiet thing. And then news would leak out like a week later. What's your take on 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 kids using this moment to make a big deal out of a press conference and announcement? Are you where do you where do you fall on the old school versus new school um, spectrum on this one? Oh, I you know I don't have a strong opinion. I, I it's just two different eras. You know, I, it's hard to compare um, players from different eras. I think it's hard to compare that kind of stuff too. It's like it's just so different. The social media is just begging for it, right? I don't blame these. I don't blame the players at all. I, it, I mean, the guys were doing the hat thing, you know, press conference and the hat thing had just kind of started doing that kind of, you know, back when it was my era, like call it early nineties. Yeah. Um, I didn't have that and I'm, I wouldn't trade the way it went down for me. Um, but, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's the popular thing to do, right? 
and now they're trying to think of even more gimmicky ways to because it's it's all for the attention and then but now they're parlaying it into into dollars so i can you can't really blame them because it could ultimately result in a better nil deal for them so I, it, it just is Good it's point. the new normal man that's a um, great point i'm not sure if the last time we spoke that your guy calbert cheney the guy you take in the great calbert cheney versus don schlunt debate yeah um had been brought onto the staff yet but what does it mean to you personally to have calbert down there back in the the uh sacred assembly hall as part of the program and and what do you think it means to the program well let me start by saying you know i love cal um I, he's been with the program before. I it, I could to me it's not earth shattering. I hope it I, I, doesn't mean a lot to me. I'm just being honest, but I I hope it means a lot to the program. I hope it I hope that the staff and Coach Woodson and they all put their heads together and they and they parlay that the best they can, right? And turn it into more recruits. I mean, we we don't need to turn it into ticket sales. We already do fairly well there, but I. How do we turn it into getting some of these players? Uh, it can can Calvert help do that? I don't know. I'm I'm too far outside of it to to have any feeling one way or another. I don't know how much they've got him interacting with any of these recruits. Or well, I mean, I know he's a really nice guy. For I mean, for the record, uh, when Liam McNeely was interviewed after his announcement of coming to IU, he did mention Coach Calvert Cheney by name as um part of the reason he decided to go to iu and i guess in in terms of like you having played with calbert and seen what not only kind of player he is um but person i mean i can't imagine it didn't make you a better player and of course overall a better team by having calbert around so i guess that's what i'm kind of trying to get from you in terms of like how does calbert make those around him better I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I know that he's not going to score any baskets and I know that's what we need the most. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope that it translates, right. That he's, it's cool that the kid said that I didn't, I didn't follow it closely enough. It's, it's cool. I, I mean, again, he's, he's one of our all time greats. I put him way up at the top. You know, I, I think Schlund? you have to uh, way above Don Schlund, <laughs> way above him. This is how I, you guys try to get me in trouble with the fan base. And I was thinking earlier, like when I made that comment about Boogie, even our fan base, do they, is that the kind of stuff they hate me for? Like that kind of comment, like you just can't say stuff like that, even though no. you guys could recognize that it was mostly sarcasm and humor. But no, no, no. A lot no, of people no. don't hear that. They don't get it, do they? Yeah, Brian, uh, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but like a lot of people hate us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> guilty by association yeah i mean like don't ask us how to prevent we can't break down hate we're on the other we're right with you all right oh so, all right um let's move on and i want to circle back to i want to end this episode by talking about the team because by the way one thing that and I love that, Brian, you said this is the kind of the time of year that you get most excited for because we're playing on Sunday. Like we're the first game is this, you know, days away. So I want to circle back to what we're hoping to see this year and break down some of the players and the leaps that we hope they make. But we do have to talk about the news that came out yesterday, which is that Mackenzie and Banco 
five-star freshman from Jersey, committed to Duke, decommitted to Duke. We beat out Kansas head up for Mackenzie and Baco, uh, just like we did with Liam McNeely, which is awesome. And you have to give the staff a ton of credit for beating Bill Self because the guy is a gangster and gets what he wants a lot of the time. And without a bunch of on-court on success, Woody and staff beat them out for these two highly touted players. But McKenzie was arrested on two misdemeanor charges, trespassing and resisting arrest. I, I don't think it's like, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I don't think we need to like get into the details of the story because the truth is there's a lot of he said, she said stuff going on now. And I don't know exactly all the details and what's right or what's wrong. But but Dutch, you do come at it from a unique perspective in that you were a high-profile player at Indiana University at a time when the Indiana basketball program was as high-profile as it could possibly be. And there were teammates of yours that got in trouble with the law, and I'm sure you saw stuff throughout your, your five years at Indiana that may give you a perspective on this that us fans don't have. We're in an era where everything gets reported and everything has an, everybody has an opinion on it because of social media. But when you hear a story like that with a player getting in trouble with the law um, and having an incident, what is your initial take on that from your perspective? Well, number one, I, I was in that drive through at 3 a.m. a lot of times at that Taco Bell, that exact spot, trying to get my Mexican pizza. <laughs> and a couple taco supremes and they're not always that friendly i mean you could say the wrong thing i mean there's a lot of jackasses that work in in that yeah. environment right so i'm not i mean and so to your point let's not get too into what happened did the guy hit somebody no was he hammered drunk we don't think so right he's driving a car because they would have loved to have gotten him for that so i'm assume. The guy just wanted some tacos. Wait, wait, I got to stop. Then, I got to stop you because I love what you just said. And I do want to dig into it. You just said like they would have loved to have gotten him for that. Yeah, because I do think that is part of the context here. Can you explain yeah. that for a second? Well, I mean, all I, I what I think is and, and I, I've got some uh, police officer friends that are doing their job every day, a tough job. So I want to be sensitive to that. Of course. But I do think, I do think the bust an IU basketball player is, is, um, you know, for sport. I think they like it. Okay. And so, I mean, look what they got him for. Hey, hey, leave. You got to leave. Um, <laughs> just, I'm going to park over here in the corner. No, you got to leave. Okay. Cop, you know, go fight some crime. Give me a break. Right. Yeah. Amen. Well, thanks uh -oh. for coming out. That was a good show, guys. <laughs> Dutch, we, we did you go silent on purpose or did we lose you? No, I just, I mean, he did the bit. I don't want to over talk. I said what I said. I just, I, I don't think, okay, trespassing and uh, he wasn't being very nice. Okay. Did he resist arrest? I, you know what? He was probably blown away that they wanted to arrest him for, not getting along with the people in the drive-thru. It's just not a big story. He's not going to be in any trouble. But because he's an Indiana basketball player and five-star recruit, you know, we got to talk about it. I, I just don't think it's a big deal. And, okay, you asked me a different question. Going back in time, guys got in trouble. You know, what's the crime? You know, Sharon, you know, apparently shoving a girlfriend down the stairs. Well, that's a big deal. I mean, it, and I'm not even suggesting that happened. I know that right. was the story 
I was right. on the team at the time, and then he disappeared off the face of the earth, and I never saw him again. I don't know if he ever even did that. You know, I, I didn't see him get prosecuted. I don't know. I, I know this guy was just trying to get a Mexican pizza and some or a Cholito. I, I don't. I don't think it's a big deal. Um, but but what I I I appreciate that. I guess one of the things I wanted to talk to you about from from again your perspective is I know in my life, even as an adult, like when you see those lights come on behind you, it's not a good feeling, right? There, it causes. I think in most normal people, a physiological reaction. Your heart starts to beat a little faster. You get real nervous. But when you are a, and I know Mackenzie hasn't played a, um, a, you know, one second of Indiana basketball, but you're a star for Indiana basketball. You're high profile. You know the attention that is on you. When you get yourself very quickly into a situation where police are involved, I, I cannot, literally cannot imagine for most people the stress and pressure and feeling that that causes because you know what could, but your mind races to what could happen. Oh my God, coach is going to find out. Oh my God, is this going to get reported in the news? Is this going to, am I going to get suspended? Like, I just can imagine that there's got to be so much pressure on you as high profile athletes that even that pressure might cause you to react in a way in the moment that you wouldn't normally react if cooler heads prevail. Does that, is that fair to say? I don't, I mean, <laughs> if they say, if the cop was letting you go, they said, look, you don't get your tacos, go home. You just go. What you, you know, and now I'm taking the other side of it. Like, why, why would you not just go home? You're going to tell them, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to leave. I'm going to stay. The, the story doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Like, I know that I would have been, I've tried to stay out of trouble because I didn't want to face the man, you know? I, right. I knew who I didn't want to face. I don't know if they have that kind of fear. Um, I mean, Crean's guys, they weren't afraid of that. They got in trouble all the time. I, I, it's, so, it's so different. I don't know that if there's any fear for dealing with Woodson if something like this happened. I, my guess is that this is a no big deal thing. And I, my guess it's probably a no big deal thing to Mike Woodson. Well, let me say, I never feel like I have very much in common with Indiana basketball players. So whenever one of them does get arrested in Bloomington, I I'm just like, yeah, see, they're just like, you know, one of having, us, one of us, they're having the same college experience that I had. And, uh, you know, I think they'll come out of the other uh, the other side of it, a, a stronger person. Uh, but here when first of all, I need to correct the record. I was quoting uh, Butler scores from last season. Apparently, I won't get into the record this year, but Butler football is squarely in the middle of the pack of their conference. Um, their overall record now is five and three, three and two in conference. So shout out to the Bulldogs. Um, Dutch, Dutch. What, when you watch the exhibition game on Sunday, what what are you going to be looking for so far as clues, hints, um, foreshadowing of what the season is to come? Are you are you looking at individual players and what they're doing overall? The what the offense is starting to look like. Should, let us 
understand how you'll watch the very first game, not even a real game of a new team. Well, I, I, I can't, I'm not going to try to decorate it and make it fancier. I'm not going to probably not see the tip. Probably just going to be hanging out in some sweatpants. Um, I'll turn it on and I'll just, I'll just see what's going on. I, I don't have a plan for it. And I don't think, uh, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see if we try to play uh, with a bunch of pace, you know, like, are we going to try to play faster than we've played? Cause I always thought we just kind of played if a break was there, you take it. But otherwise it was like more of a walk it up and trace, you know, hold off his man. And we're trying to enter the ball into the mid post. I got really bored of that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, I hope it doesn't look anything like that. I, I hope it's not. We're doing that with Malik. Like we're, we've plugged him into Trace's spot. I'm, I'm fairly certain that's not what we're going to see. And I sure hope it's not. Well, um, I want to, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So I want to see us hopefully play with some pace and then you're kind of just evaluate. I'm going to be, you know, probably know three or four of the guys Galloway and maybe a couple others by face and number and then I'll be trying to figure out who these guys are. So I'll have fun just, and I won't know, and I will not have a roster in front of me. I'll just be listening to the, uh, whatever jackass is doing the game and <laughs> try to figure out who these guys are, try to figure out who the kid that got arrested is and try to figure out, I don't know what any of them look like. So it's kind of, for me, it's just starting from scratch. It'll be fun. All right. But one guy you already mentioned that it is not starting from scratch on because we talked about him a lot last year when we had you on. And it was a guy that you liked from the first time you saw him was Malik Renew. And it's a guy that we all got excited about too, because he just seemed like he had great touch around the rim. He seemed to know how to use his body as the season wore on. I think we saw a lot of freshman wall hitting and freshman mistakes. He didn't know how to stay out of foul trouble that cost him a lot of playing time. But I look at Malik as just being like, he's almost overlooked this offseason because of all the splash that was made with getting McKenzie and getting Khalil Ware, the seven foot one kid from Oregon transfer. And, you know, I, I just think that Malik is like, people are almost sleeping on him a little bit, but he seems to be the, such a key for this year's team, not to step in and do what Trace did, but to be become the player that he can be. What do you... What do you hope to see from Malik this year? Well, it sounds like he, I don't know, I must have read this, that, that he worked on his body, that he cut mm -hmm. down some body fat, that he got in better shape. Yeah, I think when you're not playing that much, it's easy, and you're a freshman, and you're eating in the dorms, and you're eating at Taco Bell at 3 in the morning. <laughs> you, um, you know, you add a few pounds that you don't need, and – I think I think that was going on. You could tell his his confidence just got kind of shaken there in the he really even in the early Big Ten, he just he had a little dip there and he never really came back from it. He you know, he started traveling and just you doing things you could tell that the game was going faster than he wanted it to go. And I think the first thing you want to see is that the game slows down for him, you know, when he and he, he looked like that early, to be honest. I was like, yeah, this guy's got composure when he catches it on the block. Um, you know what I mean? He he kind of just got the ball, went to work like, hey, I'm supposed to score. I'm, they gave me the ball. I'm going to go get a bucket. He looked like that for a few games. And then it just looked like, you know, he'd catch it at the elbow and they'd, they'd back off him and dare him. And then he'd end up shot faking and then traveling. You know, he just, just he looked, looked so uncomfortable later in the year. 
I, I think with him, it's to see this, if he's retooled or revamped his body, number one, but then just to see if, if the game has slowed down for him. And if he looks, if he has that composure look, I think he'll be able to see it right away. Along those lines, what do you want to see from Trey and from X? Hmm. Uh, I'd like to see, <laughs> I'd like to see both of those guys slow down. <laughs> They're going too fast too. <clears throat> Trey's hair shaking all over the place. I'd like him to, and that's how we like him, nice and wild. There's the wild thing or whatever whatever Trace is calling him. I read that somewhere. World tour. World tour. I don't want him to be I don't want him to be wild, you know. I want him to be energetic and a good defender. It'll be interesting to see what kind of what kind of season he has, you know. I don't I don't know what his ceiling is. It's it's hard to tell. Mm. I think he's gonna be, you know, it sounds like he's more of our captain, you know, and a team leader kind of guy, which is great. You gotta have those guys. I don't know that to just because I don't know all these other, these other parts, these new guys, I don't know that statistically he needs to be way different than he was last year. I mean, if he can knock down threes at 40% clip, I don't think, I don't think he's a guy that's going to shoot eight or 10 of them a game. Right. But if, cause he's just not going to be that open, I don't think, but if he can shoot 40% and you know, and he's a eight points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals guy. And he's a and he's a team captain. There's not there's really nothing wrong with that. If he can play good defense, I don't I don't think we we need to see some quantum leap statistically from him. And X, I don't know. I thought he was gone. I I wasn't even sad, and and now he's back. I don't even know what to think about him. I, I really don't. I I hope. Listen, we could try to make it like I'm negative. And maybe I am. I don't think we'd have to try too hard there. <laughs> well, I'm saying a lot of positive shit here, guys. I mean, you're, if you want to try to always package it up like I'm mean, we can continue doing that. But I'm, I'm being positive. That was nice what I said about Galloway. It was. That was I, nice. I don't, I don't know what we want from this guy. I, he's a sixth year guy. Um, I, I mean, I, I want him to be healthy and I want him to have a great season. I mean, it's not like I'm rooting against him. I want him to play really good. I, at times, he was our best player. I mean, there, in those games that and, – and some of the big games, I mean, I felt like he showed up. And, I mean, nobody did against Arizona. I, I'd have to – have a hard time thinking of the games I'm talking about. Uh, maybe it was well, – you know, he got hurt no, against what, Kansas. What you're I, talking about is the year before when yeah. we made our run in the Big Ten tournament and the end of that year to put ourselves in position to make the play-in game. X was the best player on the team. X and, and Trace – you know, played amazing, but X was amazing for the last third of that year. The guy was averaging like 18 points, six rebound or six assists. He was shooting like 48% from three. He really was amazing. Those last eight games of that season into the big 10 tournament. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't want to come off like I'm not a fan of his. I, I want him to have a great season. You, you mean you, you have a beyond a season veteran, right? You've got yeah. an elder statesman in the backcourt who's going to play. So what I do really like about him is, you know, there's an intensity to him that is – it reminds me of Chris Reynolds. Like he's picking up the ball, and he's going to cause a problem for the poor guy that has to bring it up. I like that. I like that our defense starts with that. It starts with a guy harassing the shit out of the ball. That's a good thing. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. I, his jump shot – as as somebody that really believes in the in the purest of form, 
it's hard for me to look at that shot. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I get that. But if it goes in, who cares, right? Right. I don't. Yeah, I don't care what it looks like. Every time he goes to pull up, I think it's 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 a bad shot. But if you know what though, he's stuck in a lot of threes. He's stuck in some important threes that kept us in games. I I'm rooting for the dude. Yeah, um, Dutch. I should mention Eric just walked away. I don't know. Oh, he's damn. He's back. It's <laughs> like oh no, he left again. So if there's anything you want to get off your chest about Eric specifically, now is the time. <laughs> I got nothing. Um, well, you know, let's ask this question: How is your daughter doing at Butler now that you know? Hey, look, we're glad you're no longer a Michigan fan. I, I don't feel like there's a, a lot of hate towards Butler, like there might be towards Michigan, you know, kind of apples and oranges. How's that going up there? And really what I'm getting at is, do you think she might end up transferring to Indiana Volleyball, which is doing pretty well? No, we're excited about Indiana Volleyball, number one. My wife played there, yeah. and um, we're, we're and we never left the IU program, by the way. So we left the football program for Michigan. <laughs> I just saw too good of an opportunity. I had sure. to do it. Sure. And it was driving everybody crazy. I mean, just seeing me in a like a Michigan sweatshirt was just killing so many people that I enjoyed that. I had to <laughs> I had to take advantage of that. Um so no, my daughter that's gonna go to Butler is a senior in high school. Oh, okay. That hasn't and so my oldest, my oldest, okay. I'm gonna throw a I'm gonna throw a little wrinkle at you. Um my oldest is at Marion. And so oh. I'm actually rooting for Marion in this exhibition game. What, against Indiana? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, look, we all know that's just to try to get our goat. So I'm not, I'm not going to give it to you. Yeah. Hey, good luck with that. We'll see how you feel at the end of that game. I know. Um, I know. No, no. So my oldest is at Marion playing volleyball. She's doing great. I appreciate you for asking. And I am excited that um, I really am excited that um, those two teams are playing. I, Steve Downing is is a great, great person, a great dude. Um, he's doing a fantastic job at Marion. And I think he was pretty instrumental in, in helping get my daughter there. So uh, I do have a big soft spot for for Marion and everything Marion athletics right now. My daughter's loving She's just been loving her experience, college experience so far. So I love that they it's going to bring some money to, to Marion and I'm going to get to see him. Yeah, what a neat opportunity for NAIA kids to to go into assembly hall. It's got to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Can I jump in with an NBA question for you, Mr. Dutch? Yeah. You know, the the old adage about NBA guys and NBA games that people that don't like the NBA game would say is that, that nobody plays defense in the NBA. Nobody plays defense. And I think that people that are fans of the NBA, that are real fans of the NBA, would argue that point. But I think the college versus NBA argument has always been that, you know, they don't play defense. And so my first question to you is, where do you come out on that? And two... Are there things I'm trying to get to like in a in a I'm trying to be positive here and think like what is it that an NBA coach that's coaching at that level, especially on defense, but 
But what could an NBA coach bring to the college game that maybe the college game doesn't have? And obviously, Woody had extensive experience coaching in the NBA. And I'm not really talking about Woody per se, but any NBA coach. Are there things that they do in the NBA that if they were able to port those over to college would be an advantage? Well, first, let me we'll come back to the second one. I'm going to have you maybe redefine that because I'm not sure I know what you're asking me. But the first question is easy. And it's a complete lie that they don't play defense. In the NBA. If, if no one played defense in the NBA and you weren't required to play defense, I would have been in the NBA for 15 years. Okay. <laughs> so that's bullshit. That is complete bullshit. I'm pretty sure my jump shot was not what got me flushed out of that league. Okay. Okay. Now different era. You know, we played, I was in a game, we lost, uh, I was in Orlando, we lost to Cleveland 61 to 56 in a game. <laughs> so there was a bunch of freaking defense being played back then. And it wasn't because we couldn't make shots. The defense was really good. And I mean, but it's an ugly game, right? Nobody wants to go to that game. I was falling asleep in the times I wasn't in the game. It was not fun. I'd, I'd love to be a part of this, you know, the NBA nowadays when you're scoring 135 points a game. But they, you know, I, I listened to Carlisle on a talk on a radio show the other day, and he's all about. I mean, they're not good defensively; they're towards the bottom of the league. But man, he's he's preaching it. I don't. So then transition to your next question. I don't know. I don't know what uh, an NBA coach could bring. Are you, are you talking strictly defensively to the college game? Well, I mean, we, I guess we could talk about it all. I guess here's something specific. I've heard a lot that the way pick and roll defense is coached in the NBA is very different than how it's coached in college basketball. And I don't really know what that means, to be honest with you. Like how many ways are there to cover pick and roll defense? Isn't it like you either switch well, or you head? Who's, well, yeah. Who's who's saying that though? Like, are you sure you're hearing that from a good source? I mean, I'm, I'm not yeah. trying to be funny. Like, who's saying yeah, that? I'm 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 fairly confident that I'm hearing it from a source who would know the way that college basketball typically coaches pick and roll, and then when exposed to the NBA style of pick and roll defense, they would feel like, oh wow, that's really different. I okay, so I. I know how to watch basketball. I'm not suggesting I'm a coach or could have been a coach. I don't, I can't agree with that. Like I see okay. people trap a pick and roll. I see that at the college level and the pro level. I see a hedge and recover to your, whoever you had. I don't know who's saying that. Cause I'm, I don't see that. I don't see them or playing it way differently, like way rotation. differently. I don't, how could you, yeah. Well, rotations, I guess I never really understood him. That's probably why I played in Europe. I don't know. <laughs> I know that somebody was having to rotate when I was guarding Pippen and Jordan and guys like that on the wing. There was a lot of rotating going on, a lot of helping going on. Did you actually guard Michael Jordan? Was he your assignment at a, in, a, in a game? Well, we, uh, yeah, but not from the tip. Like it was, um, I was playing for Chuck Daly at the time and it was like, Hey, we're ones, twos and threes are going to switch. So it was Harper, you know, cause you had Harper, Jordan and Pippen. They're all, you know, six, six to six, eight. 
Right. So we just decided we were going to switch. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I was sitting there at a, you know the pregame prep, going, "Wow, today's the day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna square up with 23. That should be interesting." And I, dude, I had a great strategy. This is this is another. I should have stayed in that league longer. I, I mean, I went like, I got switched onto him, and he lifted the ball above his head. I mean, he could have just gone right past me, but he didn't. He took a minute. He palmed the ball. And I attacked him like I had just like snuck out of an insane asylum. I mean, I <laughs> jumped all over him. I'm just waving my arms. I was jumping. I think I was screaming. And um, he just was like, oh, shit. Just like he just passed it to somebody on the wing. And and then I was like, I'm going to do this every single time. And that's what I did. That was my strategy on all three of those guys. I just tried to attack them and I uh, hoped that they would pass it. And did did anybody get the better of you? Like, was there a specific? <laughs> yeah, 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 they did. Sure, they did. I mean, <laughs> I think the next time he just kind of, you know, not pushed me off, not pushed off, but he had the ball palms like he was holding it away from me. You know what I mean? And I was jumping all around. And then he just swung it through with two hands in between his legs. And I was like, I'm in trouble now. I mean, I'm in huge trouble now. And he went by me. He went by me like, you know, immediately. And I didn't, I mean, no resistance. He went right to the baseline and I gave chase. And so Horace, his old teammate, who was my teammate, he was a great defender, great help defender. He comes over, he meets him outside the lane and Jordan elevates. Are you picturing this? Yeah. And kind of Horace's arms are up in the air, kind of straight up in the air. And, and Jordan just contorts his body and like swings the ball just in his right hand underneath Horace. And now he's going to, but now he's going to release it kind of low to the ground, but he's going to make this shot. Guess who catches up just in time to swat it out of bounds? Oh, yeah. Come on, Dutch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I was on the ground. I, I didn't have to jump. It was low, and I but I did knock it out of bounds, and and they got the ball back. And I was just all I was thinking is this better show up as a block, a block. stat sheet. Did that it? was legit blocked. Yes, did it, it did. Oh my god, it you did. blocked Michael Jordan. Yep. Did he ever block you? I don't think so. I wasn't. I was just taking spot up shots from the corner. I don't. Nobody was blocking my shot. I wasn't in there very long. I was shooting from the corner. I mean, that wasn't a part of the offense. Like it, it was Penny Hardaway elbow pick and roll with Horace, and I'm just over there with my feet set, hoping the ball might swing over there every so often. If you ran into Penny Hardaway today, what would the conversation be? Would it be Would it be know. about Urkel? <laughs> oh, I, I forgot. I told you guys. <laughs> I was thinking that, but no, I, you know, I did. I saw him at Augusta one time. I was down there at the tournament and uh, one day at the Masters and he came up. To, I didn't see him, but he came up and said hello. So, no, I, there was no bad blood, I don't think. I don't, he probably wouldn't come up and talk to me. Is, there a, to to is there a former teammate that if you did see them, there would be bad blood? Oh, no. A, a teammate of mine? Or or a or a competitor? Is there anybody? Oh, I'm nice to everybody. Really? I I mean, well, I hate you know I hated Glenn Secunda from Penn State. <laughs> All right. If he walked if he walked past me, I would try to trip him. Yeah, good. <laughs> I like that. 
I like that. Did you ever have a conversation with Michael Jordan when playing? Was there ever any just little banter with MJ? Yeah. Um, really cool, too. Um, why why do we have to I... pull this shit out of you? Just, you know you're on a broadcast, right? Just tell us the stories. Jesus. Like, I'm just going to start telling. You don't even mean that. Like, I'm just going to come on your show and start telling Michael. I'd rather talk about. Indiana football than me just start telling stories about myself. Well, that makes one of us. <laughs> yeah. I think you guys, hey, that was the longest uh, Indiana football conversation I've ever been in my life. I almost <laughs> had to tap out. <laughs> All right. Well, give us the MJ banter. So I, I don't know. I think I checked into a game um, that for the first time. And believe me, you know, when you grew up wearing his shoes in seventh grade is when those came out. And I begged my parents for at the Terre Haute Mall for ninety nine ninety nine. You didn't ask for a hundred dollar presents at my house, okay? Right. So for me to do that, it was a big deal, and I got them. Um, but think of the psychological advantage that guy had over everybody that I came in the league with. My draft was Iverson, Kobe. I mean, all these guys are you know on record for idolizing this guy, right? All of us. Sure. And. So when you check in for the first time, it's, you're, you're aware, you know, he's out there. You see him. He, he he's looks different than everybody else. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I go, I think I go to the free throw line and he's right next to me. And the, the ball has not been released. And I mean, he puts his hand down. First of all, he says, um, don't know how you played for him for four years. So, oh yes. yes so he so he right away was letting me know that he knew i was which was think how cool that was for me like yeah that, now i'm that's checking like a game. little bit of a bob knight moment for you your story of it him was. yelling at you you were just so happy that he knew your name for michael jordan to know who you are is pretty incredible and i says back to him dutch says i was there for five years <laughs> You're not going to cheat me out of a year. It's longer than you. I mean, five years to life. I mean, that's a, that's a long time. And, um, but it was really cool. Cause he, you know, he was acknowledging and he loves coach. I mean, he loves yeah. coach. Yeah. And then he, and then he reached down. He was in, he was on the inside. Right. So, um, I'm one more spot up the lane than him. Right. And he put his, I'll never forget. He put his left hand down on my right calf which, you know, it was not all that impressive. It's not like Ray Allen's guys. He put his left hand down and just like, I could feel his strength in my leg. Like it was his block out. So before the ball was released, his big giant hand was like, just grabbed my right leg. And I was like, holy shit, he's touching me. And, um, and that's the end of the story. That is phenomenal. That is a phenomenal story. Was that, was that the extent of your interaction with MJ in your career? Yeah, other than him just, yeah, going past me a couple more times. Um, right. Pretty much it, yeah. You got a Barkley story? You got any Barkley stories? Um, The first time I ever played against, I was I was excited because I did love Barkley. I was looking forward to being on the court with him. And the night before we played him, so he was in Phoenix at the time. I was in Orlando. You guys could look this one up and find the date. Uh, some guys went up on church street and talked some shit to him and he threw somebody through the front window. <laughs> he got suspended and he didn't play. And I was, I was bummed out. So yeah, he got arrested for throwing a fan through the front door of a fat, like a fat Tuesdays or something. <laughs> who, who 
out there in your time in the league, whether it was uh, a particular game or exchange or just overall had the funniest shit talking, just just cracked you up the most? How do, you know, I don't know that there, there that that existed, Ward. I, I'm not trying to. I'll think about that. I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that I heard a lot of trash talking and John. To be real honest with you, I do have another good story about a superstar. If you want to hear it, if you want Please. to. Yes. So my first ever basket in the NBA. So I started off. I, I injured my shoulder again after the draft, and so I had surgery on the same right shoulder like I did in college. And I was going to miss, you know, a significant part of my rookie year, which really sucked to have to miss, uh, just put you behind and all that kind of stuff. And I was as a late first round pick, you're not necessarily going to crack a rotation. That certainly didn't help me. Right. To, to start off in rehab. Um, I come off the IR, I'm guessing like January, maybe, Feb, maybe early February. And we're playing the Rockets at home who had just won a couple titles. Right. Yeah. Uh, while Jordan was out. And so, and, and, and swept the magic, right? So everyone's hyped up. The Rockets are in town. Akeem was just unbelievable at this time. So my first ever NBA bucket, I get a, I want to say it was Sam Mack. If you remember him, I, I think mm -hmm. it was Sam Mack was, was guarding me and he was smaller than me. And I was like, okay, I had him down on the block and I started calling for the ball. I'm like, I got to get a bucket here. And I, I'm getting ready to score my first basket. I call for it. Derek Harper feeds it into me. And I turn and go up. I get it in the lane, and, and I get him on my you know right shoulder. So I got a little jump hook um, right on the right block. And I'm like, this is in, this is in, this is in. And Akeem Olajuwon comes from out of nowhere and just chucks it up to like the 15th row. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it was it was goaltending. So my first basket did not go through the net. The dream, the dream just tossed it just way out of bounds. It was kind of anticlimactic for me. Uh, obviously, Michael Jordan's the best player ever. I assume you're gonna believe, you're gonna agree with me on that. Yes. Who was the second best player that you played against or with in the NBA? Against or with? Um, hmm. Hmm. I, I, I am a huge, huge fan of Tim Duncan. Ah. I put him way up there. If he's not right there, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to say anybody but Bird. If you say Matt, or you say Jordan's the best, I want to put Larry number two because I love him. Um, but you said played with or against, you, you know, Kobe and Tim Duncan are they're they're way up there. How um, close is Kobe to Michael? I mean, he's pretty close. He's he's pretty close. Um, yeah. You know, just different careers, right? When they were their best, you know, he had Shaq when he was at his best, and he reinvented himself a little bit with Powell and was able to win again. I mean. When it comes to just being just a stone cold, angry killer, you know, your teammates kind of hate you. The staff kind of hates you. You're just a prick to be around because you want to win and you want to dominate that. Those two guys were that. And I don't know that anybody else is like that. And I, yeah. I put them up there. I put them up there pretty close. It's just when you they can throw Jordan stats at you that you just can't believe, you know, stuff that he did. He just dominated. I mean, Coach Knight would tell you it's he's first time he when, when he hadn't even set foot on an NBA court, and Bob Knight's on 
video saying he's the best basketball player he's ever seen. Yes. Comma by a wide margin. <laughs> How about that? I mean, it's that's crazy. unbelievable that coach saw that when he saw it. A kid that had never played pro basketball, and, and that's what Bob Knight said about it. That blows my mind. Don't you wish um, you had video, Ward and Dutch, of that 84 Olympic team practicing practices. the tryouts in Assembly Hall? Yeah. Like, how did they not videotape that? And how does that not exist? I mean, Michael Jordan, Barkley getting cut. I mean, the players that were on that team, how great would it be to watch that video? Or Dutch, are you about to say that you don't give a shit? No, I was there. I did see it. What do you, what do you mean? What do I mean? I was there. I was at Coach Knight's basketball school in 1984 during the tryouts. And after you got done eating dinner, you could go back in there and watch. You could watch these guys play during all of their tryout. Have you I not told us I this did. before? Well, you don't know everything about me. No, I know. <laughs> but like you're just doling it out to us like uh, like slow playing. I don't even understand what you're doing to us. Tell us about that. To us. <laughs> I'm unloading groceries right now. So if you hear some noises, that's what I'm doing. Well, I'm glad you really put the um, correct priority and focus on our podcast. I'm grilling out for the fam later. So I got to get my stuff together. Um, well, even better. Check this out. This is a, This is cool. So 84, summer of 84. I, that means I was 10 and I hadn't turned 11 just yet. I was getting ready to turn 11. I go to the camp. And they go back in there to watch, you know, after dinner, you could go back in there and watch these guys. And I had just turned my ankle um, that day and they sent me to see the trainer. And so I remember the trainer's this little bitty guy, this little itty bitty guy with dark hair. And he looked like he was 12. <laughs> and that guy is Tim Garl. So this was kind of cool. After I got to tell Tim, he actually taped my ankle when I was 10 years old. And awesome. which is pretty neat for me looking back because I, I really do love the guy. But I went Sorry, not to interrupt your story. But what do you yeah. think is better to say that you had Tim Garl ice and wrap your ankle when you were 10 or to say that you had Tim Garl wrap and ice your asshole when you were 44? Because <laughs> that's me. What? Has that happened to you? Yeah. Yeah. At the fantasy camp. First one with you when I drew my first charge when you were there. I drew my first charge and I thought my asshole exploded and Tim Garl wrapped my butthole and iced it. Nice of him. And I didn't even know, I don't even know how you do that. It, yeah. it, only Tim could do it because he's such a great trainer. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Dutch, butthole, Dutch tell us back. about watching the 84 Olympic trials in assembly hall. <laughs> Sorry. Hang on one second. I mean, hang on one second. What, what, look, you, you were jesting like that he puts the proper priority on our show. I, I think he nails it. I think it's like, well, I'm driving from A to B and I can do it then. And if it runs beyond that, I'll just incorporate it into my life. But I don't even think it's like A and B. All I right. think it's just like, yeah, this is like I'll take a phone call with these guys like I would if I was doing anything. Yeah. Like, I don't think he puts any time aside. For the, the message I got from him right before this started was, hey, no video today. I got things going on. Like, <laughs> I mean, he didn't care. All right. 
can you tell us about get your, your ankle gets wrapped and then what? I can juggle that. I can juggle this stuff. Talking to you guys is easy for me. Sometimes I don't listen to the question and I just say, so I just say whatever I want, but it's all good. So, um, I'm at this thing. I look down on the court. I'm sitting with a couple guys that so they, you know, some random roommate that I got and I'm sitting there and I see on the side of the court, they used to, and you, there's some video footage of this. They used to have a training table out, you know, on the court, like at near half court by where the steps are. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a, a training table out there and Michael Jordan's at the training table getting taped. And I go, I go, that guy just taped me earlier today. He's taped with Michael Jordan now. How awesome is that? <laughs> it's like that little guy, that little tiny guy with the dark hair. He was taping me earlier today. And now he's taping Michael Jordan. So that's another story about Jordan. Isn't that crazy? That's and I go into playing against the guy. Yeah. That's unbelievable. All right. I'm going to bring it back around. We, can, we, about- can we get more about the 84? I mean, are we? Like, but are we? As, the, as great as the ankle tape story is, I just <laughs> want to know what it was like. Like, did you realize what you were watching at as a ten-year-old? No. Did you realize? No, 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 no. I mean, no, because you don't know who John Stockton is. I mean, there was no video. I, you know, you didn't know him. Barkley stood out because of his big thighs. I mean, he looked different and he and he played different. Like I remember him, but I didn't know Carl Malone. I mean, he was there. You're right. I mean, it's a crazy group of guys. But coach picked a team with. You know, Jeff Turner and John Concack and just, you know, he picked some some role pieces to be a part of that team to create a team and not an all-star team. Right. Yeah. And by the way, did you even know who Michael Jordan was at that time? I know he was back to back player of the yeah, year yeah. at that point. No, no. No, for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean he was I was watching. I mean, I was I was rooting for um Carolina against Georgetown. I hated Georgetown. Um, I have some family from a, one of my uncles is a professor at North Carolina. So we were all kind of, you know, we weren't Carolina fans, but in the, you know, we were rooting for him against Georgetown for sure. Right. Okay. Very cool. Go ahead, Ward. Um, that you played with or against your time in the NBA, who is the worst player? Oh, man. Well, they're all kind of by definition really good, right? Right. Mm-hmm. One of the like forty three hundred best ever, but you know somebody had to be out there and be like, "Man, this how's this stinks. guy in the league?" <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, I had a teammate in Orlando named David Vaughn who was actually ended up a teammate of mine. He got traded away, but then he was actually was teammates with him in Italy for a short period of time. I, I hate to, he was a talented guy. I hate to say it was him, but he, he kind of was in that when Malik got in that funk, you know, or he just didn't, he didn't know what to do. Didn't know how yeah. to do it. Like he just got confused. David got like that for whatever reason, you know, you go into a funk and he just, our veteran guys used to say to him, uh, anytime he'd get the ball in the block, <laughs> just like back up and let the bomb explode. Cause all you had to do was just like, leave him with the ball. And he just, he just mind F himself and just like either travel or fall down or do something ridiculous. But I think it was more or less him being in a funk. I, I wouldn't say he's the worst player that, that I ever saw. Yeah. I that's think a, that, that's a tough question considering that, you know, not that that person or their family is going to be listening to this podcast, but um, it it's, it is one where, especially 
when you would go over to Italy and obviously people playing at that level, everybody's really good too. But did, did, did it kind of feel like just, was it just like easier? Like you, you would, you were just, you know, fighting for your life every moment you're on the court in the NBA in, in Italy. Was it just, could you relax a little bit more and just, just have fun playing basketball because it wasn't, it wasn't so elite at every position. No, you know what? I, I actually quite the contrary, to be honest with you. It was not, not at all like that. I, I felt like I belonged in the league and I felt like I played well when I had, when I got minutes, I, I was happy with the work that I did. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we, we touched on it with trace. I mean, you gotta be, you got to get a little stroke of luck and, and be in the right place at the right time, you know, in the, in the right Era. offense and everything else. It's, it's, it's just not, there's been great players that never really panned out in the NBA because they weren't, they never found that spot. I, I kind of felt that way where I, I played enough to, you know, I was like, shit, I could play in this league. I mean, I had plenty of really good games and, yep. you know, big baskets down the stretch. It's not like I didn't think I fit in. I, and it, it didn't feel hard. It didn't feel stressed because I wasn't running the team. You know, I wasn't some point guard trying to run an offense as a 20 year old. I got there when I was 23. I stood in the corner waiting for the ball a lot. I didn't get involved in as much in the offense as I would have liked to. You know, we, we just didn't, the, the, the league was different that way. We weren't up and down the court like they are now. It's just a, it was a little stale at that time. When I went overseas, I mean, so I just wanted more opportunities, right? I just want to be on the court more and maybe a little more involved in what we were doing. It's not like I couldn't handle the ball. And I thought I'd be great in a pick and roll because I felt like I was a good passer. Right. And if, yeah. if they don't, if they don't respect me coming off the screen, I could shoot. I just always wonder why am I not in the pick and roll occasionally? One time I, I had the ball in the wing and Horace was nearby and I called him over like, come and set a screen for him for me. Come set a ball screen for me. Chuck Daly subbed me out of there so fast. It was like, <laughs> why, why don't, when I'm Larry Richardson. Like, why, why can't I run a pick and roll? Why are you going to take me out? Cause I was going to run a pick and roll. It was just, but that's that league. It was, just, it was just a different league at the time. And when I got overseas, I, I was uh, surprised the other way. I was surprised at how hard they play. That's mm. why they're beating our ass. That's why we don't win when we go play in these, world championships because we're a bunch of prima donnas and they're not, mm. you know, Spain, Italy, Greece, Russia, Turkey, man, I got, they got NBA caliber guys and they're mean and they're tough. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I mean, when I first got over there, I was like, I'm just going to absolutely dominate these Italian guys and go back to the NBA. I got over there and I, I on some team with the, the, the leading swell. Let me back up. The, there's a two guard that's on my team that led the league in scoring and shot like 30 times a game. And I call my agent. I'm like, Hey, asshole, how are you going to put me on a team <laughs> with this, this loaded gun, this guy that just shoots every time on the, how the hell am I going to get back to the NBA when I'm going to watch this guy shoot a hundred times? Um, <laughs> I had to find a way to play nice with him and we figured it out. We both, you know, we both scored a lot of, I mean, honestly, he scored 30 a game. I scored like 21 or 22 a game. And we actually had a, we had a pretty good team, but what I, what I learned right away there 
is there's just a toughness. You know, you put the ball above your head. Like I, I mentioned earlier with Jordan, I mean, these guys get up in your chin. They're just, mm. they're just, you know, you're playing against a lot of Yugoslavian guys and Lithuanian guys. And these guys are, they're trained from a young age. They're tough. We like to think we're just by far the best, you know, basketball on the planet. Um, they've closed that gap. A lot of those countries. And then, and if, then you've taken an all-star team, right? So now my team was full of guys from all those different countries. You know, there's more Italians. Probably half the team's Italian. And then the rest of the team is a couple Americans and then guys from other countries. And, and I, w- I was, I was uncomfortable with like, Oh my gosh, this is a, this is a physical brand of basketball and, and you know, less athletic, I think, but it was a good brand of basketball. There's no doubt. Well, and to your most- point, I mean, just, you look at the end MVPs of our league over the last quite a few seasons. Now, none of them came from the United States. No, I know. I know that it's, um, I am a big fan of those guys too. I mean, Giannis is great. Jokic is, I really like watching him. He's as, he's as skilled. <laughs> and he's, I'm still more athletic than that guy. As unathletic <laughs> as I was, I still might be able to outrun that dude. He blows me away to, to, to do what he does. And every single night and the way he breeds, uh, he reminds me of Tim Duncan, a lot of ways. Cause he just, it's all about the team and he just plays the right way and it's easy for him. It's, he makes the game look so easy and he doesn't have an athletic bone in his body. Doesn't have a muscle. The best player in the world doesn't have a muscle. <laughs> I, I love watching Jokic play. He's probably my favorite player in the league right now. I love Giannis as a person, everything I've read about him, like he's just such a good dude and about the right things. I, I hate watching him play basketball. I hate yeah. why he, he's not the most skilled. He's just such a freak. He just bowls over people. I just don't like it's watching the, him. It's the greatest Nick. It's the greatest and most obvious nickname of all time. Right. The Greek yeah. freak. He is it's, a complete freak. It does. Yes. His body doesn't even make any sense. When you look at it, it's like every time I see him, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> just look at him and he's, but I'm with you and, and I can't watch him go to the foul line, which he oh. goes 15 times a game, him getting the ball. And that routine is it's the worst. It's the worst routine I've ever seen. It drives me. I'm with you. It just drives me nuts. I agree. I do want to share a, a piece of news that you may not know. Did you know that David Vaughn has an NBA championship ring? Oh no. David Vaughn. Does he really? He played on the 97-98 Bulls with Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman. He was only there for a handful of games, but you get a ring. Wow. Yeah. You know what? Now that you say that, I do remember that. <laughs> I do. Because, he, you know, like I said, I, I linked up with him again over in Italy for a little bit. I, I do remember him going there. He, The Magic traded him to Golden State. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. And then I think he, and then he, he, he had a couple 10 days with the Nets. Um, shortly after I, I, you know what? I think I was, I think I was on the nets with him for a couple minutes. Well, he was on the nets in the 97, 98 season and 98, 99 season. Yeah. So I, I, he would, yeah, he and I were teammates twice. Um, and I don't even know if we, yeah, we were teammates for a short period of time in Orlando before they traded him. And then again with the nets and he went to golden state and then they, he kept chasing me around. Then he ch- found me in Italy. <laughs> What is the most amount of money you made in a year playing uh, international? 
Ooh, um, I think I I think I made maybe four hundred thousand dollars net in one year. Uh huh. That's really good money. Yeah, and like today's money, that'd be like ten million. Well, I think it's gotten. I think it's it has been worse, but I think it's been a lot better. I think it's I think it's a lot better than that now. I'm guys like. I didn't. I never commanded the the big dollars over there. That name close, like Trajan Langdon. Remember him? He yeah. He was there short. Uh, probably overlapped with me a little bit there. He left the league. Didn't really make it, even though he was a great great shooter. Just you know, I, he was on a couple shitty teams, and you know, next thing you know, he's out of the league. And, you know, it's only a three or four year rookie contract. He went to uh, Cheska, Russia. And was great because he's going to play the right way. He's going to shoot, you know, 50% from the field, 40 from three, 90 from the line. I mean, he could do that in Europe. And he made a lot of money in, in, well, he lived in Russia, but he made, I bet he made a couple million a year, million five. Wasn't he from Alaska? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was a great Sports Illustrated article on him and the whole community about Alaskan basketball before he went to Duke. So I read it yes. begrudgingly. He came on a visit. I, I took him out to Zagreb's. Really? Mm-hmm. Trey we visited Indiana? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, we were we were kind of the finalists for him. Yeah. Wow. And I, you I, were his I, I host? Know. You were his host? I, I took him to um, Zagreb's. I don't... I don't. I think I took him back to the union and drive. He was a, a pretty straight laced kid, and I just, um, I don't remember taking him, like out like I did Mandeville, you know, and showing him all the things he wanted to see in Bloomington. I didn't do that with him. Who's but the I best did, player? I did eat a steak with him and took him back to the union. I love that. Who's the best player that you hosted on a recruiting visit that didn't come to Indiana? Was it him? And we just talked about him. I'm sure. Is there anybody else that you can think of that went on to play somewhere else and became a name that, that you hung out with at Indiana? I'm trying to think. I mean, I closed the deal on Mandeville and some guys. Well, thank uh, you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think we I love Richard Mandeville. We love Richard no, no, Mandeville. I know, I know. I know. We're not making fun of anybody. I love those guys. They're my teammates. Um, just, just like me. I'm trying to think of who else came in that didn't and oh Rafe LaFrance. Mm. Oh he Beacon came in. Ball. I think Beacon I took him ball. to dinner. We could have used him. We wanted him and we wanted him bad. Doesn't Dockage tell a story about how Coach Knight wouldn't even meet with him on campus or something? Yeah, he does. I don't know. He I mean he definitely came to town. Do you know that story to be true that Coach would not meet with him? Uh no, I don't I don't know that Dockage ever tells the truth. I don't I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Well, guys, I feel like this has kind of run its course. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How I do mean, you like that? How do you like that closing look, bell from Ward? I do have to. It reminds the me of the beginning. It, it, it should close like the beginning. Just just kind of you guys just being dumpy and mistreating me a little bit. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. I mean, well, look, I really, I really have to use the restroom. That's sort of my ulterior motive here. You but have left. I left in the middle. I know. I know. But. It does. It feels like I'm the only one that I'm the only one that listened to this entire disaster of a conversation. <laughs> the least interested guy in the podcast is the only one that was there for the whole thing. Uh, well, Dutch, we love you. You're our favorite guest, and we're glad that the season is picking back up because you know we will revisit you as games get played 
What what I do need you to do though is you need to go through the schedule after these two exhibition games. We do need to get you back on to give your uh, estimate on wins and losses this year. Okay, we can do that. So I'm meeting my buddy right now. We got some work to do. I'm trying to get off with these Hoosier hysterics guys. God, I mean, just the disrespect. I sensed that was coming. I There's just to no get podcast out. like this. None. <laughs> All, right, All right, Evans, you be good, Dutch. Goodbye. I mean, goodbye, he's, Brian. He's, I mean, not even a goodbye. <laughs> I'm trying to get off with these Hoosier hysterics, guys. Click. <laughs> It, it turned out it wasn't that hard for him to get off with us. <laughs> All right. Well, I love him. Um, I also love his take on the McKenzie thing. You know, we didn't talk yes. about it much in the intro, but I just love like, yeah, it's not a big deal. It's like, yeah. just let the guy get his Mexican pizza. I did think it was interesting him talking about that, like getting an IU basketball player. Yeah. Maybe there's a little bit more motivation there. Feather in the cap. Yeah. Which sucks. Like, shouldn't we have guys that don't want to do that? Well, it's it's the whole, you know, like within our own athletic department, wanting to to catch ourselves in the act. It's like, right. come on, we're all if if you're in Monroe County, we're all on the same team here. Okay, let's all roll in the same direction. And look, probably not the same officers, but I feel like I was definitely treated unfairly in my time in Bloomington. No. I was definitely not trying to steal a bike. That charge was dropped because it wasn't true. It wasn't true. They just wanted me in there on a felony charge. Do you remember much about the actual arrest? Well, I do. Yes, I do. Okay. All right. Um, Like, I don't remember anything up to the arrest, but I think when your head kind of comes up, because, you know, your head's down, and then you look up at the Jacobs School of Music and you see red and blue lights. Why is and- your head down? Because I'm passed out. Right. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. And so, and I look up and I see red and blue lights dancing off the walls of Jacobs. And then I'm like, huh, that must be coming from behind me. And then you see the uniformed officers having you get to your feet and put cuffs on you. It Whatever had you, bla- like, you know, those Long Islands you'd had at, 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 at Bears that had blacked you out, suddenly some sort of adrenal gland uh, kicks in and allows you to start remembering things again. Not the stuff you want to remember. We didn't have Evans do it. Ah, now that that one hurts. That one hurts. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. No I. I screwed it up. You did. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E. No I. But the sometimes why. Calbert. It was Calbert. Nice. We'll see you next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
guidebook, guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.